Hello and welcome to the Practical Magic Podcast, a weekly dive into ways in which we can live a calmer, more creative and empowered life on our own terms. I'm Kate Taylor, Creativity and Empowerment Coach, and I'm on a mission to help us live an embodied life full of creative expression through my blended melting pot of goodness I call Practical Magic. Welcome to this week's Practical Magic Podcast. On the show today, I am in conversation with the author Siobhan Curran. I had Siobhan on the show at the back end of last year where we were talking about how she's learned to embrace failure. And she shared in that podcast that she was writing this wonderful book, which is Something More, A Spiritual Misfits Search for Meaning, which is just launched. And I promised I was going to get it back on the show. And I have. Something More is a funny moving account of Siobhan's journey as she found religion and promptly lost it again, then went on to develop her own spiritual pick and mix of practices from Buddha's chanting, Irish yoga, Jewish philosophy, Reiki healing and connecting to her inner goddess and finding her shamanic spirit animal. It's a really brilliant book. It's full of honest anecdotes and age-old wisdom for anyone who's thought about exploring their spiritual side who those who might be feeling disillusioned by organized religion but real craving for something more and it's important this book now because of the world that we live in where we've been so distracted and disconnected and anxiety depression mental health issues an all-time high and how we can use spirituality or a search to find love within ourselves and a connection to each other that's going to help us navigate this crazy, crazy world. Thank you so much for joining me on the Practical Magic Podcast. Again, the lovely Siobhan Curran. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. It's nice to be invited back. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, my goodness. Well, when we when we met last year and we talked about how failing has been such an incredible part of your journey, it was such a beautiful podcast. And I was so pleased to share it. But I remember us talking about this book that you were in the process of writing, which is called Something More, A Spiritual Misfit Service for meaning and I said I was going to have you back on the show and the book is now launched so welcome back I'm so glad to be sharing this book it is wonderful I wonder if you could give us a bit of an intro to yourself for any listeners who may not know anything about you and a bit about the book my lovely yeah um so I have been writing books now for uh, 20 years gulp <laughs> um, and so th- but this is my first book on this subject uh but previous to this I've mainly written fiction for adults and young adults but what happened was in back in 2010 I'd just been through a really tough time I'd been through a relationship breakup and I'd been dropped by a publisher and so I thought my writing career was you know was over and um uh, but I had also, as well as being working, working as a writer, I'd been, I'm a life coach and a motivational speaker. And so I'd been doing a lot of that kind of work. And so I was thinking about what, what should I write next? And I thought, I know I'll write a book about the secret to true happiness because so much of my work is about that. It's about helping people achieve their dreams and, and become happy. But then I realized I sat down to kind of plan it and I thought, Oh, I just have a slight problem here. I'm not truly happy. And I just thought, how can I sort of in any way claim to be any kind of expert on the subject of happiness when I'm not truly happy and the thing that I was craving and I I wonder if your listeners can relate to this because I know whenever I say this to people immediately it's kind of like it seems to really resonate with with other people but but I what, what I was after was a source of happiness that wasn't dependent upon another person 
or material wealth or things or, you know, things outside of myself. Because what I had learned the hard way was that, you know, when I had invested all of my happiness, say, for example, in a romantic relationship, and then I lost that relationship, I was absolutely devastated. And, and likewise with my career, you know, I'd invested so much happiness in, you know, in being a published author finally, you know, going from being a university dropout and feeling like a kind of failure in life. And then when I got my first book deal, I was like, right, finally I am somebody or ever. And, and then of course when I lost my book deal, it was like, you know, having the, the, the rug pulled out from beneath my feet. And so, so that was the starting point really. I, I just wondered if it was possible to find a source of happiness and peace that wasn't reliant upon another person or you know status or material wealth and uh, as I say you know in the intro to the book my quest took me on a very unexpected path because up until that point I'd been what I would describe as a devout atheist I had no time for any kind of religion I was very cynical you know I looked around the world and all I could see was was the harm that religion had caused and and, um, and also to friends of mine you know who say for example friends of mine who are are gay and and so they've been very hurt by the teachings of Christian church just as an example Um, and so but what I did when I was starting my quest the first thing I asked myself was well who's the happiest person I know and it just happened to be a friend of mine who was a, a Buddhist and I'd seen her life become transformed since she'd started her Buddhist practice and so that was my starting point well I'll see if there's anything in this Buddhist malarkey and um, so I, I I started I went to some Buddhist meetings and, and I found some really useful tools and, and that really was where it all, all began uh, and then yeah it just took me down this spiritual path and, and it was great actually I think with hindsight it was really good that I was cynical and an atheist because I was able to just cherry pick the teachings and, and wisdom of parts of the traditions actually I found to be really, really helpful and, and disregard the rest, you know, all the things that kind of separate people and, and the things that hurt people. And that's what really comes through in the book, isn't it? Particularly um, about Christianity, for example, because you go through this whole journey with Christianity and what, and, and, and I completely get this for I mean, my belief really is about that most world religions, or all of them, in fact, really, when you get to the heart of it, the teaching is love, isn't it? And so, and and as you talk about a lot in the book, that you can replace any word, God, Buddha, whatever you want to, you know, whatever the the label is around that particular religion and put in the word love which is something I've always done around spirituality to make it feel something that aligns with my beliefs and my lifestyle and what and and that's the interesting thing because you know you are I love the fact that you talk about this healthy cynicism coming at it from a almost like a, a flatline approach and being able to look at things as as a objective observer, I guess. So going into each of those religions and not having a, an outcome or really holding too tight onto anything and being able to look at what works within that for you and what didn't. So give us some of the examples around, because you, you went through, you know, a guiding through different religions and going and trying different things what was it about Christianity as an example that you noticed as you were going through that well yeah so Christianity was sort of like my second um 
uh, stop, if you like, on, on the journey. So I started with Buddhism. I found Buddhism, but certain Buddhist practices really helpful, like mindfulness and meditation, but I still felt there was something more, you know, I hadn't quite found what I was looking for. So I took, you know, what, you know, these things that really helped. And then, uh, then just coincidentally, where I was living at the time, these posters went up for this thing called the Alpha Course, which is an introduction to Christianity for people who, you know, sort of have no, you know, sort of experience of, of the Christian church like myself. And so I thought, well, what have I got to lose, really, you know, and just go and see what, what's in this. And I was very wary because I'd been brought up by parents who were, you know, they'd both previously been Christian and kind of turned their back on, on the religion. And so, so I, you know, I was quite cynical about the, the Christian church. But what really <laughs> amazed me was then, you know, I remember the first, first so the Alpha course, I think it's about a, an eight-week course or something, and you just meet every once a week, you have a meal together, and then they usually show a video, and then you discuss some aspect of Christianity. And, and the first week, they were talking about Jesus and his teachings. And these are teachings, you know, because obviously they're, they're in the background all the time so I was familiar with certain quotes like love your neighbor and love your enemy but I'd never really given them much thought and then as I was sitting there I kind of had this light bulb moment particularly around the quote love your enemy because I think the world is you know it just feels like the world at the moment is so full of hate and fear and and people being pitted against each other and and so someone hurts you and your instinct is to to hurt them back so this 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 quote, you know, this, this statement, love your enemy, is quite shocking initially because we're sort of conditioned to hate our enemy. And um, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, this is great. This is this is the only way forward. You know, if we want to sort of survive as a species and if we want to be happy, we have to learn to love each other and even the people that really hurt us or, or that we're afraid of we have to find compassion for them and, and then I think we'll have a, a breakthrough but then almost immediately I was kind of like hang on a second so if these are the teachings at the heart of Christianity why are so many sort of hateful things done in, in the name of Christianity and um, and this was a you know it just seemed like a massive discrepancy to me and um, anyway I, I completed the, the alpha course and I started going to the local church and and the whole thing it was just this kind of this really weird experience for me because on the one hand there were these amazing teachings about love and forgiveness that I got so much from and and it opened me up to a source of love you know through through prayer and meditation that I'd never been able to access before but then on the other hand, you know, I'd hear the minister making misogynistic jokes. I'd see, you know, like week after week, there were never any women getting up and speaking. It was always men. All of the characters in the Bible that were spoken about were men. And it was so sort of male centric. And then within the church, you know, the women were kind of the ones who, who ran the Sunday school or served the tea after the service. And, and it just seemed like a really sort of patriarchal system and as a woman I was kind of like well where are the role models for girls where are the spiritual role models for for girls who's talking about the female experience you know spiritually and and so that just chipped away at me and and so yeah I, I, I became a Christian I was a Christian for a year and that, but in the end the the negative started to really outweigh 
the positive sadly and and so I had to I felt like I had to leave I felt ashamed in the end I felt ashamed to call myself a Christian because of the things that were being done in the name of Christianity and uh, to women and to people with regards to their sexuality and I think it's an absolute tragedy and it's something I feel really strongly about in, in the book because then I started to research the early days of the Christian church and Jesus' teachings and the very first followers and I found all this there's this wealth of stuff out there and evidence that women were in and played an integral part in the very earliest Christian church and that Jesus traveled with women which was revolutionary at the time because the culture was kind of like the culture say in Saudi Arabia today you know in terms of you know women's status and so so he was absolutely revolutionary in his attitude to to women and his treatment of women and yet you know you look at the church that's been established in his name it's a completely patriarchal system uh, so yeah so that was a massive eye-opener for me but but then like as with Buddhism what I did was I thought right okay well I'm just going to take what I found really useful so the teachings at the very heart of Christianity about love and forgiveness and leave the rest so yeah so that was that was my experience but I find when I'm talking to people about it I think it's a common experience of the Christian church uh, that you know a lot of people and if you look at figures you know the numbers of people attending church now are dropping off massively and I think it's because of this because so many parts of it just feel so out of date in today's society and it's a real tragedy. And that's the thing, because it doesn't make sense in today's society, does it at all? And that's that's the interesting thing about the journey that you've been on and that you are able to really dig underneath it and, and, and take what you need and bring it into your world and the world that we are now living in. And I think that's really important because underlying any of the religions is this quest for love, is a quest for community and a quest for truth and honoring ourselves and and like you say honoring our enemy which is basically essentially our community around us isn't it so it's important because I think you know I know I I reflect your experiences um my parents were atheists they you know we used to go to church on a Sunday but I was turned off of it very very quickly and just stopped going from the as soon as I was able to not go i.e stay at home with my sister and watch Top of the Pops I would definitely choose to do that because it had nothing for me you know it wasn't anything that I could resonate with and yet now as I get older and I am searching for meaning then I can respect teachings of all religions. And interestingly, the Christian faith, for example, um, was something that, yeah, very patriarchal. So it wasn't something that really resonated with me. And yet when you do start really looking and getting to the truth of what it was all about and the teachings, not just of Jesus, of Mary Magdalene, for example, I've been to the Mary Magdalene caves in Southwest France. Oh, have you? Oh, gosh, that's so on my bucket list. Powerful, <laughs> so powerful. Yeah, yeah. But how that feminine energy was completely quashed from the religious teachings because it was like we have to dominate through the church and money and power which is a very masculine energy isn't it yeah absolutely and there are there are all these examples of women you know sort of hundreds of years ago who were you know sort of preaching this message of actually we don't need the church that, that we can access love from within and they were burned at the stake for for, for saying these kind of things or, or writing about these things, and it just really it just really saddens me and angers me. And and I think particularly I was so 
blown away by what I found out about the Christian church. And, and I can understand that hundreds of years ago when you didn't have the internet and access to this kind of information, why people would just blindly believe whatever their priest or, or vicar or whatever told them. But, you know, we have access now to all of this historical, factual information about, you know, how the church was in its very earliest days and, and say, for example, the teachings to do with, with women and the role women played. And it's like they've been photoshopped out of out of that history. And it astounds me that Christians today, because I've spoken to so many and it's like they don't want to know about that, you know. And I said, look, here are the facts. I can point you to all these, you know, sort of uh, historical facts and, and evidence, uh, you know, and, and um it just, you know, I think the, the tragedy is that then people just turn away. You know, if they're not going to kind of modernise and and um, and acknowledge this, then um, sadly people will turn away in their in their droves. But then on the positive side, I think what's great is that people are, you know, more and more people are calling themselves spiritual but not religious. And and if you kind of can come into that category, and there are so many female spiritual teachers and and like you said Mary Magdalene is just one one example I discovered and I write about her in the book this woman called Thecla who who was a household name back in the earliest days of the Christian church and I've never heard of her and most people I speak to have never heard of her and yet her story is incredible and and um She's an example of a very, you know, sort of an empowering female role model in the earliest days of the church. And yet, no Christians I've spoken to have ever heard of her. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? How, how this has happened? It is really interesting, and I think what's really interesting is now that we're we're gaining this awareness, is that feminine you know feminine wisdom and feminine power how that has like you say been airbrushed out of religious texts and it has been completely morphed hasn't it in terms of how a woman is supposed to behave but it really interestingly as you said is that the reason it was done is because the feminine energy understood and fell into the fact that wisdom comes from within. You don't need a church with gold drippings and to give your money to something to be able to come to prayer or meditation in your heart, which is all about where love is. And that and that wasn't something, you know, that was, was appreciated or, you know, couldn't be controlled. It can't be controlled, can it? And Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, but the minute you, you understand that, it kind of makes... Well, I was going to say it makes the church redundant. I don't think it does in the sense that I think we need community and that's a really strong aspect, you know, of churches. They provide a, a spiritual community. But because churches have turned into these power structures, then actually the, the notion that you can access love or source or whatever you want to call it from within immediately means, that, well, by, by the very, you know, it, it, it just means that we don't actually need to go and see a priest or a vicar or a minister to access this. And and then, of course, they have no power over us. And, and what I, I think one of the biggest things I learned from and the most exciting things I learned from my journey was actually I went from seeing you know, a spiritual faith is something kind of a bit, I don't know if it was wishy-washy or, or people who just blindly followed a faith as being, you know, sort of, well, blind, <laughs> you know, in the sense that, you know, they're just being controlled. And I realised, actually, if you can access the source of love from within, 
it's the most revolutionary act you can do in today's society because today's society, you know, if you're, you know, talking about consumerist society, it's all about, it's based on fear. You know, we, we are taught and conditioned to fear so that we will buy products to make ourselves feel better. You know, that's kind of how it, it all is, is run. And, uh, and also, you know, look at the mental health crisis. So, so, uh, you know, so many people are struggling at the moment with anxiety, depression, different mental illnesses. And we've got pharmaceutical companies making, you know, untold amounts of money off the, off the back of people's suffering. And, and yet what I, what I realized was actually have this source of, of inner happiness and peace that isn't reliant upon any kind of medication. It's not reliant upon any kind of organization. It's not reliant upon a priest or a minister. Um, and so therefore it's, it's the ultimate act of, of, um, I was say rebellion. That's the wrong word, but rebellion against the society, I think for sure. But, um, it just, completely transforms you in the way you view the world and uh and that just changed everything for me because all the things that used to bother me don't anymore you know the silly things that were kind of taught ought to bother us um i have i don't know it just gives you such a great grounding and you're able to see the drama for what it is and, and kind of rise above it and if not I'm, not I'm making it sound like oh yeah it's all kind of sweetness and light i don't mean that i'm still affected by things obviously but but what I found now is I'm, it's so quick and easy for me to kind of get back to that place, you know, get back to that grounded place where I realize actually it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many Twitter followers you have. For example, you know, that, that's a good example today. I think we're sort of taught, oh, to measure success in numbers, whether that's followers online or money in the bank or book sales or product sales or whatever. But actually, I think when, once you've got the spiritual grounding, you realise that that doesn't matter. That's all kind of like surface level stuff. So, so yeah, it's it's really liberating. Yeah, and you, and you talk about this in the book uh, that spirituality has helped you become happier, stronger, and calmer, and it's so needed in this time, isn't it? And it's interesting that religion overall, you know, people are turning off from it, and that that's a generalisation, but. 20, is it 20% of the people in the UK and 25% of people in the US do now call themselves spiritual but not religious? Yeah, when I was researching for the book, those were the figures I found. And then, yeah, and then sort of, in, and then these other figures, you know, the, the number of people turning away from religion is huge on both sides of the continent. So, so, yeah, it's a growing number of people are classing themselves as spiritual but not religious. And interesting that now we need it more than ever, like you say, because things are turbulent, that we have, we're turning off from this consumerism, that that we're getting more emotional intelligence around the fact that stuff doesn't buy us happiness, numbers don't buy us happiness, likes don't buy us happiness, which is unfortunately why there is such overwhelm, anxiety, depression and, and mental health challenges because people don't have anything within themselves or each other to connect to, do they? So spirituality is so important at this time. Absolutely. It's the perfect antidote. And it, it's that weird thing, isn't it? That it, on the surface, it looks like we've never been more connected because now we can just be Facebook friends with people around the globe and we can keep up to date with everyone that we, you know, we would have had to write letters to in the, back in the day or whatever. Um, but actually, 
these aren't proper connections in the sense of face to face. You know, so I think loneliness is a loneliness epidemic. I keep reading articles about that at the moment. You know, so the massive irony is, yeah, on, on the one hand, we're, we're so connected to each other online, but actually in our real life where it really counts, people are feeling lonelier and more disconnected than ever. And that's another thing that I found a real source of, of solace is if you have a spiritual practice. So, for example, if every day in the morning you just sit down in stillness and silence and you meditate, you just you just turn inwards and you focus on whatever you take, you know, sort of love or, or, or however you perceive God or the universe or whatever you want to call it, but you, but you you turn inwards and you tune into that 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 something more, that mysterious source of something more. Um, it just it's like putting down an anchor, and then when you go out then into your day to work, you know, on a busy train, you know, the whole horrible commute, you know, of people being aggressive or, or whatever you go online and you see all the spats on twitter and and um it just i think if, if you have if you're able to access that that something more uh within you it, it really acts as an anchor and in this sort of turbulent world and and that's what i found that it just really it just helps to kind of like protect you from and all of that stuff because we're really under assault i think you know in you know i don't think our, we're wired up to really deal with the kind of online world and i think that's like like you said i think that's why so many people are going on digital detoxes and and um you know because people are realizing oh you know this isn't actually good for my health and i think it was really telling i, I read an interview recently with uh one of the founders of facebook and he was saying he doesn't allow his kids online um, and he certainly wouldn't allow them on, on Facebook because he knows, because he helped create it, that it's been created to be as addictive as possible. So things like the like button, you know, these were all created deliberately because they realized that every time you get a like, you have a little dopamine hit, you know, you get your feel good hormones or whatever chemicals in your brain. Uh, and so, so it's all been very cynically done. You know, the, these social media sites are, you know, because their aim is to get you to stay on there for as long as possible. And so how do they do that? They have to make it addictive. And but the trouble is that it's not a healthy high, you know, it's not a healthy. Um, so when we go on Twitter and we see you've got a like, yes, we might have that initial burst of, yay, someone likes me. I've got validation. But actually, you know, it, it's it's just it's a surface. If you're sitting there on your own in your room and you haven't spoken to anyone in, in the the flesh for a couple of days or whatever having a like on twitter it doesn't really mean anything and and um yeah so i think but having this spiritual practice it's like you've got you've got a a, a wise mentor on speed dial or something you know that you can just tap into any any time you like and that's what i find you know whenever i feel stressed about something i'll just sit quietly and, and i'll meditate and just i I can instantly because I practice regularly. It doesn't happen overnight, but if you if you practice regularly with meditation or prayer, then then it becomes very really easy to access that place within you, and it's just the perfect antidote to all the craziness that we're currently living in. Yeah, absolutely, and it's coming to the place of coming back to love. It's a return to love, isn't it? You know, when the outside world is really crazy, it is feeling disconnected when you're feeling disconnected within it. I know for me personally, when I'm feeling um, anxious, 
and I know that Instagram or whatever is the worst place for me to be because I will find a million reasons why I'm so shit in life. I will find a million reasons why everybody else is is absolutely winning in life and I'm not, you know? And so you can find whatever you need in fear out there. But actually when you slow down, like you say, with this spiritual anchor, when you can come into yourself and slow things down, and quieten and through prayer or meditation get connected to this something more that starts within you doesn't it because that's your connection all the way through that you can find that all the answers are there that the love is there that if you if you quieten and you slow things down that there is a voice whatever that however that comes that says I've got you babe that is expansive that is what you call spiritual love. And so, and then this was really interesting for me because I was talking about this recently in a post um, that I put up for the awakening about that feeling that you get when you tap into a moment that is pure love. Now I used to be able to find this on the dance floor in the, you know, in the, in the uh, nineties, having probably imbibed something I shouldn't have, but you know, now I know what that ecstatic feeling is that comes from getting high on my own supply. And you talk about it as, is it a gape, which is the highest form of love? Like, how would you, how, how do you explain what that is? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's so hard to put into words and um, because it's more of an experience. And I think that's where we've kind of got humanity's gone wrong in the sense that we try and, you know, over explain things and create stories and rules around things, you know. But but to me, it's like the closest I can get to describing it is like being, you know, when you float on your back in the sea or whatever. And um, it's just that sense of. So you go from feeling very separate to everybody. So taking your scenario, yeah, you're having a bad day. You go on Instagram, you look at everyone else's feeds and everyone's having a great old time and they're all filtered to perfection and everything. And so you just feel even more shit about yourself in, in your life. And, uh, but then, yeah, if you, if you can then disconnect from that, sit or lie in silence and just visualize yourself. And, and this is how it always feels to me as if I'm just part of this sea of it's just warm and calm and I think I say in the book it's like I had this the first time I experienced it it was as if I was a wave that suddenly becomes aware and part of the whole ocean you know and and connected to everything and this is a, a, a common theme if you read a lot of different spiritual memoirs or teachings you know that that's that's the experience that you have this sudden moment where you realize that everything is connected and you go from feeling very disconnected and just in your own body and in your own mind to feeling connected to everything and so so when I get to that place it's as if my body dissolves you know and 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 there's no boundary anymore between me and anything else and I and I I feel a tingling sensation sometimes and it just feels as if you know I just can tap into this and that I think that's why it feels amazing because suddenly you you are aware of your power you know and, and that we're all part of this very powerful energy the source and um and it feels incredible. And, and then when, you know, and, and then again, so it, it's like, if you can do that every day, it's like, you know, you plug your phone into, to recharge. Like the other morning, I, you know, I plugged my phone into recharge and I sat down to meditate and I kind of laughed because I thought, Oh yeah, I'm recharging my phone. And I'm recharging myself. <laughs> um, and that's what, you know, this spiritual love feels like to me. It feels like when, when I 
tap into it through prayer or meditation it's like having a massive recharge of myself my soul whatever and um and then yeah and just the perfect antidote to all the, the kind of pressures and things like like social media uh, when you feel you can feel so disconnected from, from everyone else I love that. And I love the way that you're talking about this connection to consciousness, because I've had um, Jade Shaw on the podcast before who teaches out-of-body experience. And what she was sharing was when she had her first experience of out-of-body and her consciousness lifted up out of her physical form. And when she traveled up, she went through this layer and her physical body was energy because everything is energy. And she just felt and saw how everything was just so connected, that consciousness is a, that it is happening all around us. And actually when we tune, however we tune in, like you say, whether it's out of body experience, whether it's through prayer, meditation, um, transcendental meditation, music, dancing, that we can all tune in to that consciousness, which is the energy of love. It is the energy of source, whatever you choose to call it, but it's a coming home, isn't it? It is. And it's just that sense. I, I remember the first time I kind of became aware of this, this as a concept. I was in a yoga class. And I write about this in the book, you know, I was in this yoga class and I was in a particularly difficult position for me, which is basically most yoga positions for me. Um, but it was one where my legs were up around behind my neck and, and, um, my teacher was incredible, this guy called Ken Ryan, who's the best yoga teacher I've ever experienced because he's a very spiritual person and, and he learned in India from, from the masters, you know, and so, so his classes are, are something else. And, um, but he, you know, when he teaches, you know, you'll be in a kind of pose and often he'll just come out with some kind of like a mantra or a statement or whatever. And I just remember it was one of my first classes with him. I'm in this really tricky position, my legs around behind my neck or whatever. And he just started saying, I am that I am. I am that I am. You know, he just, like, as he walked around the class, and I was thinking, well, what what's that supposed to mean? You are what? You know, because I was in this awful, like, this is a really awkward position. I was in, you know, not sure I'd be able to untangle my legs. And then he's kind of like saying this thing, which just seemed like a complete riddle to me at the time. Uh, but subsequently, and since I've, you know, I've read a lot of spiritual texts, this statement, I am, is is at the, the root of, of so many sort of spiritual teachings. And, and then the idea is that, that it's just to be rather than, you know, rather than doing all the time, you know, just, just to, to be in, in the state of consciousness. And, and, and so when, when you meditate, it can be a good mantra actually to use, you know, if anyone's listening and they're new to meditation or they just want a very simple meditation, just sit in stillness and silence and just repeat that in your head. And, you know, and, and you can do it, you know, use your breathing to kind of follow the pattern. But, you know, as you breathe in, say the word I, and as you breathe out, am, I am, I am, just over and over again. And eventually you'll, you'll kind of realize what, what the meaning is there. That it's just to get to that place where you just are, you know, you're just, just being and you're not doing anything and you're not, not having to stress about anything. And, and that can be such a sort of sweet feeling of release. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you for that. And then, and the book is so full of incredible stories about your, your journey 
And I'm sure it's not over yet because, you know, spirituality doesn't end. It's all part of an, an discovery, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's the thing. And I don't know if anyone listening can relate to this, but I sort of naively, I remember when I was a few years into it and, and thinking, oh, I'm really getting things sus now, you know, and, and that kind of, and again, that's the kind of ego kicking in, isn't it? you know, and like, yeah, I think I've got this nailed. And, and then I dropped off like my meditation practice. I wasn't bothering to do it every day and, you know, because I was feeling so much better and everything. But then what I've really realized is you're absolutely right it's just a a never-ending journey and life will always present you with challenges and and I think it's it's kind of like if you want to stay physically fit you have to exercise regularly it's the same if you want to stay spiritually fit then you have to do things like meditate regularly and tune in to that source of something more regularly otherwise you'll start to get spiritually unfit and then what will happen is something you know if you have something challenging in your life you know you'll go back into your old ways of, of, of reacting or, or behaving and um and fear kind of you know takes takes hold and so so yeah that's that's something I learned the hard way that you you have to keep it up it's a daily practice uh, but it's so worth it yeah and it, and it doesn't have to be a tough thing can it it can be you know a five minutes of breath meditation it can be something really simple a moment of gratitude it's a moment of connecting into that source of love isn't it I remember um the lovely Vix Maxwell who's um an incredibly gifted tarot reader um and she I had an angel card reading with her a few years back and I remember her using this it's always been an incredible visual metaphor that I've uh, that's kept with me is that she was what she was bringing through was that it was like my spirituality was on a or and my connection was in a jar and that jar was on a window but I wasn't it was just staying in there it's like butterflies just in this jar that couldn't get out and I always my unconscious brings that in whenever I'm feeling disconnected and just says remember the jar and so I have to go to the jar and open it up yeah people can probably relate to that because that's yeah it's just so so it's it's hard to embody this stuff I think because we're, we're wired up to, to think, overthink things I think and and that was another thing I, you know that I became really aware of is how complicated it, you know essentially it's just like you said at the start of this you know that it comes down to love like ourselves loving each other doing loving thing and yet it's been so massively overcomplicated by, not just by religion but you know certain kind of new age gurus or whatever you know, it, you know I've had sort of a couple of nightmarish experiences with people who've kind of set themselves up as, as you know spiritual teachers that actually you know you see that clearly they're doing it to make a load of money or, or whatever and um and you know and I think the thing that we need to keep remembering is we have everything we need within us and it doesn't need to be complicated and I remember I was talking to my dad one day and, and you know I just said really it's just all about love and simplicity isn't it and he just to this day that was several years ago now but to this day he just keeps reminding me of that because he said that was a real light bulb moment for him you know so he's like Yes. <laughs> yeah. Love and simplicity. If you make those your, that your, your motto, you can't really go too far wrong. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I know that you and I have a, a passion in common in terms of using the body as the metaphor for this as well and moving, you know, dancing, prayer. And I just want to talk about prayer for a moment because prayer as a word can sometimes put people off because of the religious connotation to it. But what what do you define as prayer? And what is prayer versus meditation? Yeah, so it was funny actually because the first time I mentioned the word prayer in this podcast, I felt instinctively I kind of like, twinge you know because I thought oh you shouldn't have said that because people listening might think you know and and it's like the word God isn't it because it has certain connotations that because prayer is so linked to religion but but what I realized was religions don't own the monopoly on prayer and I think 
prayer is part of a conversation with something more so when you meditate you're listening and when you're praying you're talking and so they kind of go hand in hand so so when you pray you're actually saying or thinking you know speaking silently or whatever to something more and so for example your prayer might be oh please help me get through this illness uh for example and then, and this was something that I was taught actually by a Christian minister. It's a really good teaching, but, you know, he said, don't forget prayer is a conversation. It's not a monologue. So I think, you know, and I've been guilty of this, that if you do sit down and you, you start talking to something more, however you define that, um, it's a bit of a rant or a monologue or, a, you know, just you just talk incessantly and then you get up and off you go, you know. And I think the, the thing is that you have to give something more a chance to respond so so for me so if you you know if you would call yourself spiritual but not religious then i'd say you can still pray because you you, you know you're, you're praying to however you define that that something more so the prayer is you speaking to that so it could be a prayer of gratitude it could be a prayer asking for guidance or forgiveness or, or whatever but then remember to sit in silence afterwards for a while and just listen because that just has helped me massively when i when i realized that you know because then you can get some really great sort of wisdom and guidance um from from within so i thoroughly recommend prayer and and um and yeah don't be put off by by the name you don't have to be a member of a religion to pray of course not thank you and i think what's what came through in the book as well is about that listening but also being open to the bloody miracles that happen around us all the time i was talking to a client about this um yesterday because we did this wonderful session and um, we always create a vision for what what you want to bring in for the next 12 months and i always say be be aware of what's happening around you because the magic starts happening it's already underway but be really present and notice when these things do start happening because otherwise it's a little bit like shutting the door on them we get so obsessed with oh i've got to get my objective i've got to get the thing that i set out to that we don't notice when all this incredible stuff and miracles and something more is happening around us and in the book you share oh my god this has had me in tears but the wonderful story of the girl that you met at center point can you just really that with us yeah so this was when i was um so i was exploring christianity and i was also i was volunteering for the charity center point who helped young homeless people and so i'd sort of offered my services as a writer and a writing coach and so i was you know sort of put to go up there and i had all these dreams because i'm a sucker for those kind of movies you know like dead poet society or whatever you know sort of where i'd go along and there'd be loads of young people there and and you know i'd help them see how writing could change their life and then I, I sort of rock up the first week and there was only um for a start there's only about five or six people that turned up and then of that only one person seemed to be paying attention um but she just was sitting very silently and she had a hat pulled right down so she wasn't really sort of communicating very much and then the next week I went back and she was the only one who who turned up and again she barely sort of said anything and so I started having this a bit of a crisis of confidence and well am I really helping her in any way and then um I, I went to a prayer group at the church and I just asked if people would 
would pray that because that night I was going up again, you know, for the third week and, and I just prayed for a breakthrough with, with the girl. And um and then everyone else prayed for us as well. It was a really lovely experience just sort of praying as a as a group and feeling that these other people were, were you know, sort of focusing their prayers on, on us. And so then yeah, I turned up in the evening, it was just me and her again. And I did an exercise that I do in a lot in my writing groups, which is kind of guided visualization for fiction writers where I get people to picture their main character arriving home and I talk them through this quite detailed visualization of you know what does the house look like and then we go into each room and who's there and what can you smell and what can you hear etc etc and it's a script that I've used for years and I'm really familiar with and so I was doing this with, with this girl and then the character and the final scene in the visualization is the character arriving in their bedroom and so I, um, you know, I said to the, you know, you know, I did the usual thing. What does the bedroom look like? What do they have on the walls? And then for some reason, I've never said this before. I just said, and what's on the, the bedside table? And they go over and they pick something up from the bedside table or whatever, something like that. And, um, I thought, oh, that's odd. I've never said that detail before. But anyway, did it, finished. And then I said to the girl kind of nervously, because she wasn't really giving me any real reaction, just said, Oh, well, now write down anything. If you've got anything from that, write down, you know, sort of some ideas or whatever. So she started sort of writing away, which was great to see. And, and, uh, I thought, well, good. It has been useful to her. And then I said to her, well, would you like to share with me what, what you saw on the visualization? And, um, and it, it was incredible because it was the first time really that she'd spoken at any, any length to me. And she started telling me and she said, oh, it was really weird because, um, when the character got to the, so she told me she was writing a story kind of based on her own experience growing up in inner city London where the gangs were rife and if you wandered into the wrong postcode you'd get stabbed or, or worse you know and, and um and she was writing this story about a guy who'd been sort of sucked into the, the gang world and everything and the story was going to have quite a kind of negative ending and she said but then when she saw the character coming into the bedroom and going over to the bedside table he saw a bible and he he picked the bible up and um and opened it and she said oh it was really weird because I never would have thought of him being spiritual in any way and she said but, but actually if, if if I have that then maybe the story could happen have a happy ending because maybe he could be reminded of what's really important and turn his back on on crime and violence and I was just sitting there like what the effort <laughs> um, and then I remember afterwards I, I rang my dad to tell him and actually I, I said, oh, it's just incredible because, you know, we all prayed for her. And then it's so weird that, the th firstly, it's weird that I should have said that because I've never realized it before. And that was the detail that led her to see the Bible. And then that in turn kind of made her see how her story could have a really positive, more spiritual theme and my dad shared a quote with me because I was saying what a coincidence and he said oh there's this guy called William Temple who was uh, I think the Archbishop of Canterbury back, back in the day and he said when I pray coincidences happen and when I don't they don't and I thought I love that because that just kind of sums it up for me and, and going back to what you're saying about the miracles that happen you know that's what I found time and time again if I pray for something there will be some kind of miracle. And it's often not the thing I've been expecting or, or, you know, specifically praying for. It's been something better. And this was just such a great example. And then I went on to mentor her and she came to work experience that the publishing house was working in. And um, it was just wonderful, you know. It was just a, a great experience. And I think we were evidence of the power of prayer. And it's just so beautiful because it started with the prayer for helping you to get through but the impact that it had on that other person. I mean, I've got tears in my eyes just thinking about it because it's so powerful and it is the true essence of love. 
and spirituality and what it means to come home to ourselves in order to be of service to others, doesn't it? Yes. And going back to what you're saying before about connections and people feeling so disconnected, these are true in my mind, you know, these kind of things, these are true connections. And this is another thing that a spiritual practice can do. It's it's not just about what it does for you, but then by, you know, sort of the, the sort of ripple effect of what that then does to the people you come into contact with and it changed everything for me career-wise because before you know I've been you know, sort of like I said dropped by my publisher after four books and was feeling like a failure and previously you know my ambition had always been about oh I've got to sell these books I've got to be a best-selling author and, and all of that and and then when I came back to my writing with it from a spiritual perspective it was all about right who can I help with my books and so the very first book I wrote you know while I was on this journey I self-published because I wanted to give it away I wrote a novel for teens but about certain issues that they face and it was all done purely to, to you know to, as a, a way of hopefully helping readers and uh, so yeah I gave the ebook away for free there was not you know I didn't have any kind of like material ambitions around this book and of course that was the book of all the books I've written you know that ended up winning a national book award and and then going to auction and and subsequently you know I've had you know sort of many books published traditionally since you know so it started reignited my my career as a, a writer but but what's been great and so liberating I don't know if listeners could apply the same whatever you know you happen to do work-wise I think if you start coming from a place of of service and instead of thinking what's in it for me and how can I make money or, or whatever or status from this but how can I help people with through my work how can I just spread love or happiness or joy? You know, so if you're working in a cafe or behind a bar, you can make such a difference if your interactions with your customers, if you're coming from a place of love and joy, it's this ripple effect, isn't it? And, and you know, I think we've all been on the receiving end of that. You know, if you've just encountered someone who's just been so joyful, like the other day I had this bus driver who was just so happy and cheery and, you know, and just made me smile. And, and, and then that just changed my, you know, how I'd been feeling. And, and so, so I think it, it just, and then we have real connections with people as well, and then work can become a way of, of having true, proper connections with other people. Yeah, and the thing is about that as well is the being of acts of service is that it comes back to us. You know, it doesn't, we don't have to worry about that we're not going to get it. We can release ourselves from the outcome and getting attached too much to these things because when we hold on too tight to things, that's often when they don't come to us so it's, it is really about love being as a flowing cyclical feminine gorgeous energy isn't it and do you know what we have there is so much more that we can talk about in this book in terms of all of the different things that you try from shamanic journeying through oh god just so much and I think I'm going to leave it for the listeners to actually go and get the book and read it and enjoy that I wondered if before we round up and sign off that you could answer how somebody who's listening who might be really interested in how they start going on it their own spiritual quest whatever that looks like how they might start doing that yeah I think really do what I did you know just try these things and and you know I, I had no idea when I set out I thought I was just going to be writing a book on happiness and I had no idea it would be a book on spirituality so it wasn't like I had a set 
plan or a checklist and it was a very organic thing you know just one thing led on to another to another and so that's what I'd really recommend just kind of I mean that's why I wrote the book really to just give people a flavor for all these different things and, and it could be that you read it and one thing just seems really unappealing to you and then you might read about my experience doing a cacao ceremony and think yay I want to be talking to trees <laughs> you know and, um, um so but i i would just just see it as an adventure see it as an adventure and just start somewhere and so maybe there's been something that's been mentioned in this podcast and you know, that sounds interesting using dance as a spiritual practice sounds interesting I'll, I'll look into that and just have that as your your starting point and yeah and just approach it with the spirit of an adventurer or an explorer and you know so so you don't have to get you don't have to join anything you don't have to sort of start obeying a set of rules because I think that's something because I've started doing events now around the book and, and what's been really interesting talking to people is a lot of people are very suspicious of exploring sort of spiritual things because they feel like they'll get sucked into something they'll have to sign up to something and 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 so there's that kind of like fear and, and suspicion around it but what I've realized is that's actually and I had that same kind of fear and suspicion but I realized that actually that's not the case and um, so yeah have fun and and just explore and 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 a good rule of thumb, I think, is is to just tune into your body. And if if you're reading something or if you've gone somewhere and it just makes you feel really good and open and loving, then just have more of that, you know. But if you go somewhere like, you know, and, and you know, sort of I did, there were a couple of things I experienced where I thought, oh, this really isn't for me. And, and the reverse happened. I felt really, you know, yeah, I had to get out of there as soon as possible. Um then just listen to that, you know, and, and, and then you can't really go, go far wrong. And actually, you know, what you will do is just, it's like, I call it a spiritual misfits toolkit, you know, but, but you just will gain all of these different wonderful teachings and exercises and things that really resonate with you. Uh, that will then set you up for the rest of your your life really yes 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 and the body is the truth guide it can never be wrong and when we tune in more to that then then there's a possibility to access even more isn't there of this something more and the body being a vessel for that and the body being the prayer and it starts within but thank you thank you thank you thank you like I said before we came on thank you for writing this book because I read it and it instantly I felt that connection through the words and I felt love like it was so joyful and I felt so emotional talking about you know you're reading the words that you wrote about love and yeah just as an energy in the way that I choose to live my life it just feels really really good so thank you so much so where can people find out more about you, lovely? Um, SiobhanCurram.com. So I have the worst name in the world to spell. So it's uh, S-I-O-B-H-A-N Curram.com. And then there's a page dedicated to something more on that site. So um, so if you just look at the, you know, the menu, you'll, you'll find it. And that's just got all the info about the book. And, and then, yeah, on that site. And so I'm on all social media, uh, Siobhan Curram. That's the plus of having an unusual name that you, you can get, you know, the Twitter handle or whatever so uh yeah so just search for my name and you'll find me at all the usual places brilliant and i'll put the links up on the um on my website and on the podcast page as well and just before you go is there can you feel into in this moment is there a song that defines this search for something more Okay, the, the one that springs to mind, although I know there are loads of songs that have, have really helped me, um, but Amazing Grace. 
And there's a beautiful, there's several versions on, on YouTube, but there's this beautiful gospel version of Amazing Grace. And I remember the first time I heard that, once I did, you know, obviously I'd heard it many times before, but um, when I heard it, you know, sort of once I'd embarked on this spiritual journey, it just made tears slide down my face because it just kind of touched me really deep inside. And it is just that, you know, that, that feeling of, yeah, it's amazing. And just tapping into that grace, that love, that something more. And if you listen to the words of that, you know, they really struck a chord with me. And um, yeah, there's a version on YouTube that's wonderful. It's a gospel choir and it's just, oh, it's brilliant. It just gives me the shivers. But, um, yeah, but there are, yeah, there are so many songs that that, if I had to pick one, that would be the one, I think. Okay, brilliant. Well, I'm going to find the link to that and we will put it up on the page as well because I need to hear that today. So like I say, thank you so much for joining us on the Practical Magic podcast today. And I hope the listeners have enjoyed listening to this too. And thank you for your work. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So thank you for listening to the Practical Magic podcast with myself and lovely author Siobhan Curram. I will put up all the links to Siobhan's book and her work on the podcast page and on the website. Thank you for listening in. It's always a pleasure to share the airwaves with you. If you have enjoyed the show today, please do, and you're listening on iTunes, please, please, please do head over and give us a bit of a thumbs up and a review if you can spare five minutes. That would be amazing. If any of you are in London this weekend, I'm going to be at the Mindful Living Show with the Practical Magic Activation Deck and I'll be joined by the lovely Matt who is the illustrator of the deck and another stand buddy will be the lovely Sarah Powell who I have on the podcast and is a gorgeous friend so do come along for giggles I'm going to be on stage on the Saturday talking about how we can access our own inner wisdom too and to remind you that tickets are available for The Awakening, the Festival of Wellness and Self-Care on the Isle of Wight, taking place across the weekend of the 8th and 9th of June. Just head over to www.awakeningfestival.co.uk. The lineup is building. I'm going to have some more of the guests who are joining me for that weekend on the show soon. It's going to be incredible. So please do go ahead and book tickets now. It won't be long and they will sell out. So until next week, wishing you a beautiful week ahead.